Until now, we've met women who chose careers to be in creative or education fields, which you could argue is natural or typical of women. But today, we meet a woman who chose to do a business degree. How did she fare in her relationship with money? Was it different to other women's? Let's find out. Hi, I'm Hansi, and in this show, we are trying to explore our relationship with money especially women's whom we call Lakshmi. We talk with women from all walks of life, asking them about who shaped their relationship with money. What were their deep-seated beliefs? How were they formed? How has it evolved? And how it affects their relationship with other people around them today. I present to you Lakshmi and me. Shaira means poetess and when you meet her, you get the sense that she is one that's quite spiritual, wanting to be in tune with nature and energies. Shaira was born to a Parsi father and Sikh mother who had eloped Bollywood style, so she has a sense of adventure. Along with her brother, the family lived in the posh locality of Kaf Parade in South Mumbai. Her father was into shipping, so used to earn quite well in tax-free US dollars. Her mother was a housewife, but encouraged her to pursue a career. Her father taught her money values. Listen to her earliest memories about needing to earn. I'll never forget this one childhood incident. He came back from the ship. It was summer vacation. And he said, okay, I'm going to take you for a real treat. And I was like, yeah, sure. So he surprised me and he took me to the Taj hotel which is a five-star property near my house and we went to the fanciest restaurant and had the best meal and he's like okay if you want to enjoy this lifestyle you need to work for it make your money so when you grow up you can enjoy this so that's something I'll never forget she did get pocket money but that wasn't enough for her so she decided to take up a job which is quite unheard of you know, from a girl living in South Bombay in Kafpurid, which is the poshest area of South Bombay, taking up a part-time job because I didn't want to ask my dad for any extra money. So I worked, I managed a beautiful upscale florist shop in Naraman Point. Okay. Yeah, I managed the florist shop. I love flowers, I love nature, and uh, whatever I got paid from that, I bought what I needed to for myself. After college, she applied overseas for her first job and got it. She moved to Hong Kong and then to Singapore and then to the US for further studies. She wanted to study for an MBA degree at MIT Sloan, but when her father didn't offer to pay it, she decided to take a student loan and pay for it herself. To her, it's a no-brainer investment. It was my lifelong dream. I only applied to MIT. It's the only university I wanted to go to. And when I got accepted, it was such a blessing. I was so grateful. Mm. And uh, it was the best investment I made in myself. You, it's invaluable. Mm. No one can take it away from me. After her fancy degree, she earned well enough to buy an apartment in the US and was well on her way to paying it off. She also married, though that didn't work out. And now she's taken a career break to be back in India, close to her father, who has had a health issue. Let's welcome her to the studio. Okay, thank you so much for making the time, Shaira. Welcome to the show. Let's talk money. <laughs> okay, so I know you look lovely today, by the way. You look thank like you. a Lakshmi. <laughs> so when I say the word Lakshmi to you, what uh -huh. comes to mind? 
a goddess who just has her palms facing towards me with gold coins pouring down, showering me with gold coins. (laughs) So do you do you imagine yourself to be Lakshmi? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm totally a goddess of wealth and abundance. Do you kind of believe in kind of if you if you think it, it'll come to you? Absolutely. It is an abundance mindset. Hmm. You know, we attract what we think. We manifest what we think. Hmm. And I've always manifested abundance. Hmm. So uh, you said you were, uh, I mean, pretty much born in abundance. Has that kind of stayed pretty much the same? Have you done better? Um, How do you put yourself uh, now compared to your childhood, for example? Right. So abundance is a very relative term. It all depends. I mean, am I abundant in terms of Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates? Probably not. Right. So it's all relative. So when I say abundant by Indian standards, yes, I had a beautiful home. I had education. I had food on the table, you know, but my father worked hard for it. You know, he, no one gave it to him. No, so I always, you now. Now, yeah, so yeah. I always grew up with that mindset that you work for your money. You know, no one's going to give it to you. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I can't complain, you know. Okay. Life's good. So, um, you, you obviously invested in your education and that paid well. You've had, I'm assuming, good paying jobs to do mm. that. Um, what about, how do you think about um, abundance going forward? Do you plan for, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to do from here on in and how do you plan for them? Uh, in what context? In, in anything. I mean, um, for example, um, do you want to retire like early? Or do you want to work till 60? Are there any other things on the bucket list that you want to do? Um, what what are those goals? What are your goals? And how do you account for paying for them if mm-hmm. they are financial goals? Sure. Yeah, I think uh, an area that I need to invest some more time is in learning, understanding, and feeling confident about making investment decisions and also um, managing my own money because, to you know, this was always a dilemma for me. How do I go about managing my money? Do I do it on my own? And then it scared me because I'm like, oh, my God, that means I need to be accountable for my decisions. And what if I make a mistake and lose a lot of money? And on the other hand, if I trust investment professionals, well, it's not their money, you know, for them, it's just a business and they quite honestly don't care if they lose your money. So it's been a challenge. And um, this COVID time has made me realize that all the more because so many people just made money by being in the market at the right time. So I think one of my goals is certainly to grow my investments. I'm a good saver. I I need to really invest well. And uh, I think the more educated I am, the more confident I'll be about making investment decisions. And I look at money. For me, money is not about power. It's more about giving me the freedom because I realize that my time on this planet is limited. I'm going to die one day and I'm not going to be able to take any of it with me. But it does, for me, what's most valuable is my time and my energy. So money gives me the freedom to have time to spend my time the way I choose to and my energy the way I choose to. And so eventually I would like to do more work. Um, I'm very passionate about working with children, uh, underprivileged children especially, having grown up in India. I, you know, I would love to do more um, philanthropy work in that mm-hmm. space. Okay, and, um, okay. Yeah. so let's, there's a few things you said that I want to just uh, dive a little bit deeper, if you uh, let me. 
So you said, for example, trusting financial advisors um, or not trusting them. Where do you think that comes from? Was there an incident that you've seen with your family or friends or something that made you not trust them? And why do you say that? Yeah, I lived in the U.S. in 2008, 2009 when the financial crisis broke out. And I realized how lax uh, the uh, financial system is in terms of financial regulations to protect the retail investor. You know, it's always the big corporates that make the big money. Or, and a lot of um, really hardworking Americans who'd saved all their retirement money in a 401k, etc., they got wiped out. Mm. And the government didn't do anything to step up for it, you know. And however, they bailed out. AIG, they bailed out all the car companies and it was just horrible. Like, you know, capitalism to the worst degree. I love capitalism, nothing wrong with it. However, you know, there, there has to be a time where the hardworking American needs to be protected for what they saved mm. their whole lives. And Americans don't even get enough vacation, forget about anything else. So that was really hit close to home, you know, and they don't even have a chance to earn it because they're retired. How are mm. they going to make up for it? Mm. So, yeah. But you went to a very, I mean, Ivy League college, as you said. So did you not learn about investments there? Not in my core subjects. Finance was one of our core subjects, but not investments. It may have been an elective, mm. uh, but not a core subject, no. So a lot of people assume that finance and investments are the same thing. Um, when you say finance, was that corporate finance? That's corporate finance, yes. Right, okay. So... Even for someone who is well-educated, well-traveled like yourself, um, they didn't teach you investments. That's surprising. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. And also that fact... They should really teach us in school. Yes, they should. Yes. So, so looking back throughout your life, um, what have people told you about investments? So where do you invest? Okay, so let's cut to the chase. Where do you invest? Um, I mean, I'm growing up, was it more about bank deposits and things like that? But where have you, throughout your years, where have you invested? Yeah, mostly bank deposits. You know, I'm sitting on cash, which I'm always like, should I enter the market now? You know, who should I trust? How should I go about it? Uh, definitely in some equity, some mutual funds, the usual. You have some. Yeah. So you have all of these. Yeah. So who put you in there? Um, you know, it's my company, 401ks and things okay. of that nature. And okay. I, I invested some on my own. Okay. So, so what, when you say you're not confident, why do you even say that? Then if you have some of these investments, obviously you've, you've jumped in. Um, what is it that makes you not feel confident? I just find like the markets can be so speculative. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, um, it's just like, you can't time the market and, uh, you know, like the COVID time showed me how, you know, unprecedented events can just shape the market. So is it that when, when you see markets going up and down, you are not um, um, understanding what's going on? Is that yeah. kind of what, what, why, what gives you that feeling of not being confident? Yeah, I think or? it's like just behavioral finance 101. You know, in the market tanks. You do know about finance, dude. <laughs> you know everything. Okay. And okay, so here, this in itself is uh -huh. a big insight. And this is right. what I've been telling women all along, okay? Right. When I meet men, mm -hmm. even if they are nothing to do with finance, okay? Even if they're doctors, lawyers, technology people, whatever. 
they proceed to mansplain, okay? They proceed to tell me about mm -hmm. the markets mm -hmm. and what I should do. When I meet women, they tell me, oh, you must be good with numbers and I don't understand anything. Right now, I'm sitting here and looking at this well-educated, well-traveled, <laughs> you, you, you know stuff. Uh -huh. And yet you said you're not confident. What do you think you attribute these to? This is what we're trying to get to the bottom of. I just don't like losing. <laughs> okay. And you said, you said something earlier that I didn't pick up on. You said if you make a mistake, then, um, then who is going to give you a hard time, even if you make a mistake with your own money? Right. Who cares? Well, that's why I never went into the finance professional. You know, if I had become a finance professional after my MBA from MIT, I could be making millions of dollars, but I can't sleep at night knowing that, you know, someone, I'm managing someone else's money and tomorrow morning the market goes down and my clients have lost their money. I just couldn't live with that. So I was right. like, I can't do it. That, I'm sure if you had become a fund manager, you would have trained for it, okay? So, I mean, all of us spend time doing this. But just managing your own money. Okay, so let me um, ask another question. Have you dealt with investment professionals from, from the industry? You have? Yes, right, I have, yes. Okay, so give us an example of where they, um, they did something or didn't do something that made you feel less confident. Is there, have you ever been talked down to or have you not been given information or have you been taken for a ride? Has any of these things happened? Not really. I mean, um, in India, at least, uh, you know, the regulations are much tighter. So I feel more comfortable because the retail investors are protected more here. Okay. Whereas in the U.S., you're really not protected, you know. Okay. Yeah. But again, why do you feel so un, like not trusting of the industry? apart from the global financial crisis, or is that it? It's also so speculative, right? And there are a lot of unforeseen events, and every 10 years they say, you know, like the market's going to crash, so I've been waiting for it to crash, and it's just been going up and up and up, and now they're like, it's going to happen now, and I'm like, okay, I'll wait. It's just, uh, I just find it like a big game. So has, have you ever come across advice that says that you can't time the market, so you should just... It's time in the market mm -hmm. and you should right. just invest and put it in your bottom drawer and forget about it. Have right. you been told that? Right, yes. And why do you not believe it? <laughs> <laughs> Was that someone me by any chance? <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, so this is, a, again, an interesting question. Yeah. Sometimes um, I think we want to believe that there's something more to it. It's like in medicine as well, right? You right. want to have the complicated solutions. And sometimes we just don't trust people when they give us very simple solutions. Right. Because the richest people in the world have obviously done something more, right? Right. Is that, do you think, a factor? I don't know, I'm asking. Oh, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I probably just haven't put enough time and energy in this space too. And I am, I am working on it. Okay, so next question. How much time and energy are you willing to put in? So say, for example, I say to you, I have a whole bunch of videos to give you. Mm -hmm. how, much time in, like, how much time are you willing to put in? So I am very uh, passionate when I put my mind to it and I will dive deep. So I will put in as much as time I need to really get confident on and, and study the subject. And 
would you would you like reading and watching videos or would you rather have someone personally explain it to you i like both because both have merit you know uh, i recently bought this book called the psychology of money it's sitting yes yay we'll tag him <laughs> yeah, okay yeah, yeah. i actually okay. heard him yeah. uh yeah he he spoke i think in september when he was just launching his book and you know his philosophy is so simple he just says i park my money in etfs with vanguard that's it that's <laughs> what i told you literally <laughs> that's it i was like oh my god so here's the thing why did you <laughs> trust morgan housel and not me when i said exactly the same thing because the us yeah us is known for etfs to perform well in india my understanding was that it's more the individual stocks and etfs have not really outperformed the index whereas in the us the etfs outperform the index so why do you care about outperformance? Do you, you you understand that most of the return comes from the market and the outperformance or the alpha is very small part of the total return. So what made you kind of go on to this point that you need the outperformance as well? well because the whole idea is to outperform the index, right? Is it? Yeah. That's what I'm asking you. So, okay. Yeah, I, I believe the alpha is, is the whole point of it. No, it's not. No. <laughs> no, it's the beta. It's the beta. Ah, we are going to have a lesson after this. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's do that. Um, what, what else? What else would you say? Uh, so if I ask you, uh, why do women not? I believe there are three types of women from what I have gathered. They're women who generally do not have access to their own money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they just don't have any. There are women who have money but don't know how to invest. And they're women who just don't want to even learn because they just find it too boring or mm-hmm. intimidating. Mm-hmm. I'm sensing you're the second. You really want to. You have yes. been asking. So yes. that's, that's that good part, right? Yes. So I'm asking you, in your opinion, what has stopped you so far? Nothing. I am learning. Still learning. Okay. So you <laughs> finally started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the why co- now? Co- why, why did you le- start learning now? COVID. It, COVID has been a great life teacher for me it really made me realize i need to get my act together to take advantage of opportunities in the market okay okay and until now um i mean pre-covid um what was stopping you was there anything you just didn't have time for it or found it too boring what was it before that i just kept procrastinating i'll do it i'll do it i'll do it (laughs) but there's nothing specifically that the industry could do better or that you could do better? Any advice to your younger self? Yeah, my advice to my younger self is, you know, start investing as soon as you start earning. Um, There was so much emphasis in my childhood on saving, saving, saving. You know, it was never like save, yeah, but invest. It was just about saving. And so I became a really good saver and uh, a not so good investor. But in 2009, I was glad I was sitting on cash. (laughs) You know, but since then, it's been such a bull run for the past decade. I feel like I really missed out and uh, I'm waiting for the next bubble. And (laughs) at no point in your life have you uh, not done something because you didn't have money and therefore this really hurt? Was anything? No. No. Okay. Okay. So just a matter of making more money your money working harder for you. Yeah, I want my money to work harder for me, for sure. Okay. And parting advice to other women. What would you say to other women who are in a similar position to you, who just are procrastinating and just not getting on with learning? What would you say? 
Yeah, I would say um, definitely saving is good advice, but the sooner you start investing and just learn from your mistakes earlier on because you have time on your side, the better. And always take an active interest in your own money. Don't leave it to either the men in the family or to the very male-dominated financial investors because at the end of the day, it's your money, you know. So make sure that you're educated and it's okay to make mistakes. You keep learning, you know. Even the best financial investors make mistakes. Everybody does. Warren Buffett makes mistakes. You know, who doesn't? So just to be kind to yourself and just do the best you can. And on that note, <laughs> you look like a Lakshmi. May Lakshmi be with you. I feel like a Lakshmi. Yeah, that's it. A lot that's of the abundance. Spirit. Yes. Lots of abundance. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Let's see what we can learn from Shaira's story. For me, her deep-seated money beliefs were one, about earning yourself, two, saving a lot to pay for your own goals, and three, money not being power but having or giving her the freedom to live a good life. In terms of the messages that she got as a woman, she did feel that her brother got a head start by having his education funded while she had to take a student loan which she had to pay off herself of course. But it seems that she has made her peace with her father as she recently received um, inheritance from him. Now, when it comes to her career choice, even though she studied business, or maybe because of it, she's quite aware of the role that the finance industry had in the 2008 crash. That has led her to be a bit anxious about market volatility and also a bit not trusting about financial advisors. This is normal. We all are influenced by the economic environment of our times. In her case, it has led her to stay out of the market during the past decade, though her pension money, called 401k in the US, would have benefited from the, the, market, uh, the bull market the last 10 years. Now note that the 401k plan in the US is more like the Indian uh, national pension system rather than the EPF in that it allows you to choose your asset allocation. Now that she's looking to invest her inheritance, she is spending a bit of time in talking to friends and professional advisors, but she is still unsure of whom to trust. And that book that she mentioned that she was reading, that about psychology of money, she has yet to finish it. Again, this is not uncommon. We all procrastinate about things that we consider too hard. If only someone helped to break up the hard thing into simpler steps. Hmm, maybe I should send her to my website. I also gave her an investor personality quiz to understand what emotional and thinking biases that she might have, as well as a risk tolerance questionnaire that all financial advisors um, have to complete. We will discuss the results of these when we have a good sample size so we can discuss the differences. So, summing up, our relationship with money is quite complex. We have deep-seated money beliefs from our childhood, we are influenced by major economic events of our lives, and we also have personality traits that affect our behaviors. 
This is why I think we should talk about money more openly. I would love to hear from you. What money beliefs did you grow up with? What makes you anxious? What do you procrastinate about? You can send a voice message on Anchor or through WhatsApp on our Facebook page. If you know someone we should feature in this show, please let us know. We will see you in the next episode. Until then, this is Hansi and we were talking Lakshmi and me.